Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. And welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. It is your usual co-host tonight, Matthew Betts, Matt O'Connor, and we got John back on the pod tonight, yeah, which is do. good because last time I only had myself to check Okada's questionable fantasy takes. Now I get John here Whoa. to help keep things in line, which is good. Fellas, how are we doing after uh, a long Tuesday at work? We're doing. Uh, we're, we're doing. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. It's Tuesday. It is a Tuesday. Indeed. It's Tuesday. If you're listening, it's it's Wednesday or it's Thursday in your podcast app. We are recording on Tuesday evening. Um, and just a reminder, we have a bit of a schedule change for um, for you, the listeners. We're going to three days per week, three shows per week. We will get those out to you on Wednesday, Friday, and Monday. But the, res- the recording schedule is going to be a little fluky for us, so you might hear us skip on some news. You might hear us kind of joke about the fact that we're recording two shows in a row, which we're doing tonight to release kind of um, throughout the week. So we're busy, man. We're busy. We're still trying to get you guys content. We won't stop until we do it perfectly. Fellas, we're going to get into a great show tonight. We're talking breakouts for this season, which I absolutely love talking about because it just gets you so excited, right? Like we've got momentum. We have training camps probably coming around the corner. We have a season that looks like it's very likely to happen. So we're going to keep the momentum going. We're going to keep the positive vibes going here with breakouts. But before we do, we just want to take a minute or two and just kind of as a show, we were talking pre-recording you know, how do we want to kind of handle what's going on in our country? Do we want to bring it up or not? And I, and I feel like if we didn't, it would just be, it would be part of the problem, man. Like this stuff needs to be talked about, needs to be expressed. So we don't want to spend a lot of time, you know, kind of talking about the the differences in our country and different races and religion and any of that stuff. We just want to say to everyone out there fighting this fight, we support it. I mean, we are three men who are privileged white guys that are talking about Black people yep. playing football. That's that's the reality. And so it is a huge issue. It's something that we obviously, you know, I think take for granted as healthy adult white males. And we can't relate. But we can say that we support everyone fighting the good fight. And obviously, um, we just promote people being good to each other, man. Yep. Like, be good human beings. Support people around you. Um, I put out my personal thoughts on my Twitter page if you want to check that out. Uh, fellas, anything else that you guys want to say about that matter? Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that above all else, people need to take a second to actually listen because I feel like no matter which side you're on, if you want to take sides, no matter what color you are, no matter what job you have, there's a lot of shouting at each other. There's a lot of, well, as soon as he, you know, comes out as being in that camp, I don't want anything to do with him. I'm going to unfollow him, whatever it may be. Take a second and listen to what someone else has to say. Because very, very often we get stuck in our own mindsets and we think that anything that's different than that is going to be either wrong or messed up or cause issues. And so we just try to block it out and stick with what we know. And sticking with what we know is not gonna get us very far, especially when what we've known for a long time certainly certain communities in this country have known for a long time is, you know, bigotry and oppression and injustice. So no matter who you are or what side you're on, 
just take a moment to listen and shut your mouth. Yeah. For a second. Um, it's a really tough subject. You know, I, I really haven't known what to say since all of this kind of came about as being a white male in America. Um, I, I, I don't even begin to comprehend uh, probably how, how good and how lucky I have it compared to a majority of people in this country of all different nationalities and, and what they face. I, I've never been afraid to be pulled over. Um, I've never been afraid to walk into a store. I, I've, I've never experienced any of that. It's not something that even crosses my mind when I am in those situations. When I get pulled over, I worry about my insurance premium going up. And I don't have mm. to face the fears that yep. so many other people do that have to have conversations with their kids about how to act when they get pulled over by a police officer because they're afraid of what can happen to them just because of this color of their skin. It, it's, it's disgusting. Um, as a white male, I, I agree with what Beth said in the very beginning of this, not talking about it just continues the problem. Um, you know, we, as a group of, of friends and, and co-hosts of this podcast, you know, we, we support you, whoever you are, that's, that's listening. We, we want to love you and understand more and, and help spread any sort of peace and, and love and, and friendship and hospitality that we can to, to everybody. And, and we're just hoping that that's what comes across from our side. We're hoping that that's the course that things are on. We're seeing more and more um, police forces around the country in the last day or so that are uniting with the protesters, taking knees, showing solidarity, more signs like that. That's what I think we need to see more of, just more ability to listen, like what Okada was saying, and, and hear them out and, and try to create some change. So, you know, it's it's a tough situation. It's a tough topic. Um especially being on this side of it where we, we don't know and we're not going to pretend to know. We, we cannot sympathize with what that level of judgment feels like, but we all agree that it's absolute lunacy. Um, we're, we're here for equality. We want everyone to be treated equally and to be afforded the same rights and opportunity as everybody else. So, yeah, it's it's tough. Yes. And we're just here to we're here yeah. to listen, we're here to love and and you know, we're here to just be be friends and and to know what we can do. Yeah. I couldn't have said any of that better myself, guys. Um again, just support um the fight out there and support the the fact that humans are equal and being treated for a certain reason, whether it's religion, race, whatever, um is just it's just not right, and we don't support it. So wanted to put that out there before the show started tonight. Uh, listeners, if you want to talk more with us about it, need support, whatever, our Twitter handles are on the YouTube channel here if you're watching, um, at the Fantasy PT, at Matt Okada, at Dynasty Beard uh, for John, and at Redshirts FF Pod. Please reach out if you guys need anything or, or just want to chat. I'm happy to, to be that outlet for you guys, so to speak. But we're going to get into the show tonight. We want to be at least maybe a, a source of distraction, bring some laughter to your day maybe um some happiness if we can in any sort of way and and really kind of just have some fun tonight so that is the plan like i said at the start of the show we're talking breakouts 
Before we do, I want to remind everyone, and this is not going to last much longer, Devontae Adams signed jersey giveaway. It is still going on. The ways to enter are at the um, the pinned tweet on the top of our show account, at RichardsFFPod. All the details you guys need are right there on Twitter. All right, fellas, let's get into a quick news segment, and then we're going to get right into uh, our breakouts. All right, guys, as, as the leader of the show, <laughs> Doc, I wasn't not going to talk about the Eagles tonight, right? So uh, I refrained from picking Miles Sanders, spoiler alert, as my breakout. However, there is some interesting, um, there's an interesting article out there from Zach Berman. He covers the Eagles for The Athletic, and I read the article today, and I was like, man, this is super interesting. We should talk about this because I feel like, in general, the football community, fantasy football community, is just assuming that it's going to be Miles Sanders for now, but then don't get too excited because here's going to come Devonta Freeman or previously before he signed with the Seahawks, Carlos Hyde or whoever it is. Zach Berman says in the article that Boston Scott is competing for a legitimate offensive role. His quote is the Eagles don't believe how Scott played in December was a mirage or simply a hot streak, rather an indication that he can be a weapon for the offense and quote guys. I buy into that. I mean, I buy into the fact that Boston Scott is going to be that complimentary back. Does this change how you guys view the backfield, the offense in general? Talk to me about Miles Sanders here in uh, in 2020. Uh, I don't think it does change much. Like you said, we were expecting probably for a veteran to get signed. Um, honestly, a wily veteran who I trust at the goal line is probably more concerning to me if I'm a Miles Sanders owner than a third-year running back who's shown some flashes and will play a change-of-pace type role, which is what I see Boston Scott doing. Um, I think I think Miles Sanders is still a high-end RB2 with RB1 upside, no matter who's behind him. Uh, and if it's Boston Scott, I actually kind of like that a little bit more than if they had brought in a Carlos Hyde or if they were to bring in Devontae Freeman. Because I believe Boston Scott can be a contributor for this football team, but I don't, I don't think he's a threat to take any meaningful touches away from Miles Sanders. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. Um, if, if they were to bring in, like he was saying, a Carlos Hyde, a Devontae Freeman, uh, the sort of guy that um, has some more prowess around the goal line, might come in to poach some touchdowns. I mean, even if this was, a, I don't know, a Frank Gore situation before he signed with the Jets, mm. that kind of guy to come in and potentially take some of the touchdown upside for Sanders some of the uh, maybe late game work uh, would have been a little bit more concerning. Um, not really concerning. I mean, I, I would have probably had him ranked exactly the same either way, whether it's Carlos Hyde or it's yep. Boston Scott. I don't think it's enough for me to move him into my rank, which is right around, I think, RB14. Uh, but I could absolutely see him finishing around the eight spot, something like that. So... Yeah, high-end RB2, low-end RB1. Um, I'm okay with that. The more that this offseason goes along, the more comfortable I'm getting with Miles Sanders and the fact that they have done nothing but affirm the fact that he's their dude and, and they're going to feature him. So uh, I, early in the offseason, thought a veteran would come in and this might be more of a 60-40 sort of timeshare sort of situation. The more and more it goes, we're through free agency, we're through the draft, all of it. It's Miles Sanders' backfield, and and he's going to be in a featured role in that offense. MVP year, baby. You guys heard <laughs> him say it, right? I did say that. I saw that. 
<laughs> Did you see that Okada on one of his workouts? Yes. He like looks at the camera. He's like, MVP here, baby. Here we go. Um, yeah, I don't think that happens. But I agree with what you're saying, guys. Like they've shown nothing in form in the form of, you know, really wanting to bring in true competition. Now I will say, in the article on the Athletic, he goes on to say the team is probably going to sign a veteran sure. running back. But who's left? Like it doesn't matter. Well, they at need depth. Period. Anything, they've got Boston Scott, and that's right, it. Right. So like you have to get another running back right. in that room. Yeah, but if that happens, I'm really excited for Miles Sanders because right now the hype is building. Everyone's getting super excited, myself included. Go Eagles. And (laughs) so when they sign a veteran, my hope is that the price in ADP comes down because he's creeping up um, mid-second round a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I've seen him in some best ball drafts I've done late first round. Like the hype is really building. So I hope that a veteran signing brings that down so we can get him on our rosters here uh, this season. All right, boys, let's get into the breakout candidates. I am super excited about these names. Um, I'm going to kick it over to Okada first because we got to, after that somber start to the, the show, we got to bring the heat. Oh. And we are talking about his boy. Okada, take it away. Oh, oh, Okada. <laughs> um, listen, guys, I think this might be the first time that we've really gone into Kyler Murray this offseason. Sure. I feel like we, we, we put him, we haven't we talked put him about on the him back burner. Mm-hmm. Nah. Okay. Kyler Murray comes in as a rookie, has a very solid season. QB 7 or 8, depending on your scoring. Uh, Second in rushing behind the greatest rushing season of all time by a quarterback. He had 544 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. And they did not use him in the running game very much. He was, I saw very little in the way of design runs. um, And his scrambling, he typically went down a little quicker as opposed to scrambling. I think a lot of that is related to first year in Cliff Kingsbury's system, first year for both of them in those roles in the NFL, and kind of figuring out how to handle that, whose responsibilities are what. We want to give Kyler a chance to kind of, you know, step into the NFL a little bit. Now we're heading into year two, and we're heading into year two with a an addition by the name of DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if you guys are aware Ooh, of this. Of, I've heard of him. I don't heard know of him. DeAndre Hopkins, arguably the best receiver in the entire National Football League. Okay, we're not talking about they went out and added uh, Marvin Jones as a depth piece uh, behind Larry Fitzgerald. Okay, they went out and got arguably the best, certainly a top three talent wide receiver to play outside alongside Larry Fitzgerald, still a very productive, reliable receiver. And a young and up-and-coming talent who may or may not get further breakdown on this show. Hashtag spoiler alert. In Christian Kirk, he suddenly has a a top 10 probably pass catching unit. At least the wide receiver position. And Kenyon Drake out of the backfield. Who I trust quite a bit to take uh, passes from Kyler Murray and make fantasy goodness out of them. So we're talking about a huge increase in weaponry. We're talking about an offensive line that pretty much can only get better because they really struggled last year. And typically, offensive lines move back towards the the average if they were on the massive extreme of one side or the other. And we're talking about a second year as a NFL quarterback, second year for Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach, second year for both of them working together. All those things together means his stats are going to go up in every category. I could easily see... One, two, three hundred rushing yards tacked on, a couple rushing touchdowns, 
and quite a bit in terms of passing yards. He was at 3,700 last year, which is not bad. I can see that easily top. I'm not, I'm not even going to say I could see that. That is going to top 4,000. Yeah. And he also only threw 20 touchdowns, which on 542 attempts is a very low touchdown rate. That's another thing that we typically see come back to the mean if you're extremely high like Mahomes two years ago or extremely low. So I think he adds five, six, seven touchdowns. I think he has rushing yards. He's going to add passing yards. Everything is pointing up for Kyler Murray. And if you started at QB7 as a rookie, you're heading into top five territory easily. Big breakout coming from my boy. No questions. We can move on. (laughs) <laughs> my question for you Okada yes, is I guess there is a question is the price I agree with everything you're saying I mean I'm in on Kyler mm-hmm. I was brainwashed by you last year so I had no choice <laughs> but seeing a rookie quarterback do what he did finishing like you said a 7 or 8 at quarterback now you add DeAndre Hopkins it's not going to get worse it's only going to get better and oh by the way he had a hamstring injury for the last month of the season further limiting his mobility so I do think there is major you know, progression coming for him, but is the draft cost going to be too expensive for you? Currently right now, FFPC, people are paying for these leagues. Best ball going in the fifth round, 12-team leagues. I mean, listen, let, let's just say like it is. If you play in a smart league, which FFPC is full of smart people, but maybe not, apparently, you are going to take quarterbacks later, you're going to want to and if people are taking them early and it only takes the one or two guys to take them early then you're not going to get your guys so am i going to take kyler in the fifth you know maybe if i started with two great running backs two great receivers i might consider it but most likely not only because i'm not going to take a quarterback as early as the consensus adp is because i think it's not a smart choice However, relative to where other quarterbacks are going, so if everyone in your league is equally smart, or if you just play in a league with a bunch of people who take their quarterbacks in the first five rounds, so you may as well do it too, because you're still going to get the value afterwards, uh, I like him where he's going. He's typically going after Deshaun Watson, um, after Russell Wilson. I like him better than both those guys this year, although Russell Wilson always manages to do slightly better than he's supposed to because he's Russell Wilson. Um, And I will say this, bets. If you... Gave me two options. One, Lamar Jackson finishes as the QB1 again. Or two, he finishes behind Kyler Murray. I would take behind Kyler Murray as the more likely option. Oh, baby. Okada spitting the fire on the show tonight. I mean, the the odds of repeating as QB1 are so low. But if there's one guy that's going to do it, it's It's going to be. I mean, we said that Uh, about Patrick Mahomes two years ago. Hey, fair enough. Well, he also Uh, got hurt. He also dislocated his knees. I. Yes. Yeah, but, you know, with with that being said, like the value relative to Lamar Jackson is not that different. The draft price is very different, mm-hmm. especially in home leagues. Lamar Jackson's going to go in the first round. Massive listeners do not do that. No. And so if I can get Kyler in the fifth or sixth versus Lamar in the first every single day of the week. Yes, please. Yep. Let's keep it with the yeah. Cardinals. Let's kick it over to John. You guys must have been like texting each other without me today, apparently in a private chat, like talking about your, your we sleepers actually, or your, your breakouts. We I do this say. all the time. And now here we go. John with another um, Cardinal. Okada and I do this quite frequently. Um, every morning I wake up and I roll over and I grab my phone and I text Okada and you say, guys are the worst. how should we piss off bets today? Um, and generally we come up yes. with some Big wonderful <laughs> plan and it works out great. Um, this one was actually not colluded Usually, on. <laughs> it's by making the podcast go way longer than it's supposed to. I'm very good at so that. So, Betts has to be all upset I'm very, very good host. at that. Um, so, I'll try to keep this listen, a little bit shorter. Listen, I'm just trying to keep things 
orderly <laughs> on the someone, show. Someone has to. Um, it ain't going to be me. Um, so I'm going to keep it with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to go with a uh, third-year wide receiver, a one Mr. Christian Kirk. Um, this is suddenly a very, very loaded uh, offense, as Okada was just talking about. They have an up-and-coming Looks like potentially a future superstar quarterback in Kyler Murray. The dude looks the part. He looks mm. absolutely fantastic. Um, what a great point. That's, I mean, John. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, they have a one Mr. DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. They have a very talented future Hall of Famer, uh, wide receiver in Larry Fitzgerald, all-around nice guy. Everyone loves him. And then there's Christian Kirk. Well, and they also have Drake in the backfield, which fits their scheme perfectly. There's Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, I believe, is going to be second on the team in receptions this year behind DeAndre Hopkins. I think that he usurps Larry Fitzgerald as being the number two read. I think that Larry Fitzgerald becomes a very, very valuable for the team possession wide receiver. But I think that Christian Kirk and his explosiveness and what he brings to the table is going to suit that run-and-gun offense, that air raid offense, so incredibly well. He was looking fantastic last year, battled a couple injuries, ankle injury, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, played yep, high yep, ankle sprain. Played 13 games last year. Uh, still put up some decent numbers. He was a like borderline wide receiver two flex play, um, depending on the matchup. I mean, he had a couple just really huge games. Um, he had one game last year where I think he was targeted 10 times, if I remember correctly. 12. Actually, he was targeted over... Wow. He was targeted over 10 times in four games last season. He had 12 targets in week one, 12 targets in week three, 11 targets in week five, 10 targets in week seven, and then down the stretch battled a little bit of injuries. Still had nine, seven, nine and then 5-5 five and five as he started to get a little bit of injuries. But you look at the production that he was putting up early in the season in that offense, and he fit. It was great. It was fantastic. Uh, this is a wide receiver who had an age 18 breakout age, which is not normally a data-driven metric that we talk a whole lot about on this podcast, but I think that it is very interesting. That's the 93rd percentile. Um, if you're looking at playerprofiler.com, hashtag not a sponsor, the best comp that they have for him is Stephon Diggs, who a lot of people mm. seem to think could potentially be one of the most like talented wide receivers in the NFL, like a top 10 guy. Christian Kirk has that kind of profile to him. He's playing in an explosive offense. He showed it early last year before getting some, some injuries down the stretch. If he stays healthy for a full 16, this is a guy that could very easily finish as a solid wide receiver, too, in that offense. I don't think that he's a wide receiver one this year, but the step forward that he has the potential to take into being a very valuable guy opposite of DeAndre Hopkins, who they didn't have a DeAndre Hopkins last year. Now defenses have to account for, as Okada was saying, probably the most talented wide receiver in the NFL in DeAndre Hopkins. That is going to only open things up more for Christian Kirk, and I think that Kirk has a real opportunity to eat in this offense this year. I, I really like him. I wish I had more shares of him. I am currently trying to acquire more shares of him, and I think that he's uh, he's going to have a, a heck of a year. Yeah, it, it's interesting, man. I mean, everything you guys just talked about together collectively is the arrows pointing up for yeah. the Cardinals. So I want pieces of that offense, no doubt about it. And he's going to be way cheaper, obviously, than DeAndre Hopkins. 
we saw last year, Larry Fitzgerald, like you said, and Christian Kirk pretty much put up the same market share as far as targets, same percentage of their team's fantasy points. I think Larry is going to continue to get phased out. Christian Kirk is going to step in as the two, solidify, like, definitely. Last year, it was like, oh, maybe he's the one. This year, he's definitely ahead of Larry for me in my projections, in my um, target share, etc. Obviously, he's behind DeAndre Hopkins, but if we're projecting that offense to continue to be up-tempo, throw the ball a ton to wide receivers, I think it could work, and I think you could get him as like a, a back-end wide receiver, too. Right now, looking at the ADP, is going as like wide receiver uh, 38 yeah, way too right low. now. So, very cheap. And I think it's because of the hype around DeAndre Hopkins, right? No one's talking about Kirk. Everyone's talking about Hopkins. I, I like that call a lot. Definitely could see that playing out for sure. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that this Cardinals offense is one where bringing in a DeAndre Hopkins is not bad for everybody else. We always have this question when you know a, a big name or a, a, a target hog goes to a new system or a new guy comes to a target hog's uh, team. What's going to happen? Is it going to be beneficial to have that elite guy across him, or is he going to lose a bunch of targets because that elite guy is across from him? This is the type of system where the ball is going to get spread around enough that I'm not concerned about the targets necessarily being radically shifted away from Kirk. Not to mention, like you guys said, he'll take some of Larry's now that Larry is continuing to age. But having Hopkins over there drawing all the number one and the double teams, for that yeah. matter, coverage, it means Kirk has going to have a very good chance to eat. So I like it. All right, fellas, next breakout candidate for me. I'm going to start with the quarterback position, just like Okada did. I'm talking about Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, fellas. And I'm going to say this right off the bat. Do not draft Daniel Jones. However, he is a breakout, and here's why. His opening schedule is (laughs) questionable. It's scary. So I don't want to draft Daniel Jones, but I definitely want to pick him up off waivers after the first three to four weeks of the season. Um, Guys, last year as a rookie, He put up four top two fantasy finishes playing for the Giants as a rookie. It doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen for guys like that. So I believe in the talent. I'll be honest. I was was mocking the Giants just like everyone else when they took him where they did in the draft. But he proved me wrong. And the thing I like most about Daniel Jones, last year he did not play one single game with all of his pass catchers and his weapons on the field. He missed time with Saquon Barkley. He missed time with Evan Ingram. He missed time with Golden Tate. He missed time with Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton as well. Not, like These guys did not all play together. Not one game. And now you're going to get him with his full complement of weapons. Sneaky rushing upside as well. Put up almost 300 yards rushing in 12 starts last year. If you translate that out, you're looking at almost 400 yards. And fellas, the only quarterbacks to rush for 400 yards last year, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. That is how sneaky his mobility is, and we know what that does in fantasy. It's just an absolute cheat code. So I think this year with the weapons, uh, an easier schedule down the stretch and and throughout the middle of the season, Daniel Jones is a guy you're going to get off of waivers like week two, week three, and he could be your starter for the rest of the year. Absolutely love him this year. So just to clarify, are you hoping to... Go late QB, stream for a few weeks, pick up Daniel Jones, and have him be your QB1 for the rest of the year. Potentially. I mean, things change so much that it's hard to project that. But he starts off with the Steelers at Chicago and then plays the Niners. All very good secondaries. I think there could be some struggles. So I probably. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I probably won't draft him because it depends on the league. If I'm in a league with a lot of sharp, really smart players. 
I might draft him late and then take two QBs, but I don't like doing that. So in my home leagues and my more casual leagues, I'll probably just kind of let him go and then expect to see him on waivers at some point in the first month. Okay, so here's what I'll say about Daniel Jones. I like him as a streaming candidate to pair with someone like a Big Ben maybe or a Matthew Stafford late or something like that because of how big his upside is in the right matchups. Betts, you mentioned how good, how he had several great, in fact, games. All of his good games, all of them, here are the defenses. The Buccaneers, the Lions, the Jets, the Redskins. Uh, those are muy bad defenses. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. Then he struggled Very bad. when he played the Patriots, which of course everybody did, but he was awful. When he played the Packers, he was quite bad. Every other game pretty much that year, he threw as many or more picks and touchdowns and less than 300 yards, whereas those games against those bad defenses, he popped off. So I like him a lot in the right matchups, which means I like him as a potential streamer in a pair, which you mentioned you don't like. I don't know if I'm willing to trust him yet against the tough defenses in the tough matchups without enough weaponry to help him beat those tough matchups. So I, I'm curious to see what like what is a breakout defined as for Daniel Jones? Does he have to be a QB1 over the entirety of the season? And if that's the case, I don't know if I'd buy in. I think he I think he finishes the year one to sixteen as a top twelve quarterback in fantasy. Okay. Johnny Pooh? Do you feel differently? Because we could probably put I'm that gonna, on the bets. I'm bets gonna, oh! I'm gonna throw that on the bets yeah. bets, and, and I'm gonna say that he does not finish as a top twelve QB. Twelve and a half. All right. Is the yeah, twelve and a half? I'm and taking half. the under. You guys are taking yep. the over. Yep. Listen, man, if you extrapolate that rushing out to sixteen games, I don't care what it does with his arm. He's going to get inside the top okay, 12 I, I, for I get sure. it. One, he was not an elite prospect coming out. He does not possess anything that makes him an elite. I mean, he was a top five. Pick. Right, but yeah, no one thought so. Gettleman. Like, everyone was like, really? Daniel Jones? Like, and he's looked good. He's looked, That was a mild way of saying it. Yeah, he's looked, too. he's looked. It was more like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? Um, he's looked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for the Little John reference. Take me back to middle school. Oh, uh, my man. God. Never, ever Middle again. school dance called. They want their uh, Little John soundtrack yep. back. Um, <laughs> but he looked good. He looked fine. I am completely fine having him as a quarterback, too, in his super flex league. I think that that's okay. Um, I don't think he takes a step into quarterback one range, though, because like Okada was saying, he hasn't done it against good defenses yet. That offensive line is still not good. Um, that's going to be a problem. They did address it, which is great. And we'll see how that translates to this year and how much of a, a boost that is for him and for Saquon, by the way, who I think is coming for that rushing crown. Um, but I, I do think that he doesn't have the elite alpha wide receiver. He doesn't have the weapons like Okada was saying to be able to beat great secondaries. I really like Darius Slayton as a wide receiver three on my roster. That doesn't mean that I think that he can go up against Stephon Gilmore. Like it's not the same. So I don't think that he, I don't think that he possesses it to be a week in week out viable. You know, he's going to be consistent. You know, he's going to get you top 12 numbers on the season that. And also whenever a rookie quarterback comes in, no one has any tape on the guy. They didn't know what he could do, so he comes into the game, absolutely torches Tampa Bay, 
And then all of a sudden the league had some film on him. I think going into this year, I think that his rushing numbers actually decrease this year compared to mm. what they were last year. Because I don't think that teams thought that he had that in his in his arsenal. I think that they scheme for it a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take the over on the 12 and a half uh, quarterback finish. And, and I think he has less rushing numbers on the season. Bets, how many rushing yards does he need to post to be a QB1? I'm just curious what your number is. 450. Like at least 400. I was going to say 550. I don't think 450 will do it for him. I, I think it does. I mean, guys, you talked about like not being able to beat good secondaries. Well, thank God he's playing on the That's NFC. true. That I'll, is believe very, very I'll true. believe the Eagles have a good secondary <laughs> when I see it because they... they you know, yeah, it's not signed Namdi Asabwa like years ago. Couldn't find anyone to replace him. Now they, they bring Namdi in Darius Asimov. Slay. Maybe. The Cowboys just lost Byron Jones. They have question marks mm-hmm. in the secondary. The Redskins are the Redskins. I mean, yep. I, I think I think he'll do enough. I, I agree. It might not be the most consistent week to week, but I think when it all comes down to it, I'm saying he's in the top t- top 12. You guys are saying he's outside. Uh, we'll find out. It's on the sheet. Eat. All right, guys. So we'll take a quick break. I want to thank the sponsor of tonight's show. Listen, guys. Yesterday was June mm-hmm. 1st. There was a draft kit that was released, oh and it was the best one in the industry, and you're going to want to buy it. The fantasy footballers, good friends of the show, dropped their draft kit, the ultimate draft kit, and it is so freaking sweet, guys. The content that is in there is unreal. We're talking sleepers. We're talking breakouts, just like we're talking. Bus, consistency charts, expert analysis, video breakdowns, my injury reports. You get all of that for a really, really good price. Check that out at redshirtsudk.com. And when you go there, if you're on the fence, you're like, I don't know, the the price is a little too much, or maybe, you know, just drop the code redshirts. You save 10%. It's easy. Drop uh, redshirts in there, 10% off your order. You're not going to be disappointed at all. And when you combine the redshirts fantasy football podcast, the fantasy footballers ultimate draft kit, you are going to absolutely crush your draft this season. So check them out, redshirtsudk.com. All right, boys, round two on our breakouts. Okada, back to you, man. Who you got? All right. I'm going to I'm gonna talk about a guy named Keenan Allen, Betts. Uh, not as a breakout. Obviously, Keenan Allen I was gonna say, has I'm pretty sure already he's, broken he's up. done that. He has <laughs> indeed done that. But you know what? It took him a little while, if you recall, to do that. And why was that, Betts? Can you tell me? Oh, yeah. Some fluky, tough injuries. Oh. ACL, kidney, collarbone. Yeah, it wasn't great for a while. Interesting. Fluky injuries. So you mean all the people who said he was injury prone were wrong, and when they didn't draft him and he did break out, they were sad. Is that what you're saying? Yep. I recall that year. Yes, I remember getting Keenan Allen like the sixth or seventh or eighth round. Something ridiculous. Too. Okay, okay. That sounds pretty nice to me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and draft his teammate, Hunter Henry, Tight end who has yet to play a full season and has missed 20 games over the last two seasons. He missed the entirety of 2018, four games last year. But whenever we see him on the field healthy, it looks good. He scored, I don't know if you guys remember this, he scored eight touchdowns as a rookie. That was his season with the most games. He played 15 games, scored eight touchdowns. Last year, he had 652 yards in only 12 games. And this year... He's getting Justin Herbert. And I mention it frequently on this show. I like the tight end, if if they're talented especially, when a rookie quarterback is coming into the system. They are safe. They are big. They are reliable. They are close targets. They are usually open targets. They are a go-to for young quarterbacks 
looking to, you know, avoid getting slammed by the NFL defensive end coming at their faces who they've never seen before. It is a terrifying situation. Yes. And the biggest. (laughs) That sounds so scary. It is. The biggest thing (laughs) that they can see in their peripheral when that happens is their tight end. Hunter Henry is a top eight talent at the tight end position for sure. He is going to be in a top eight offense, I believe, if Justin Herbert is good enough. And even if Justin Herbert is not a, you know, QB one out of the gate, which we don't necessarily expect, I think that he is going to boost the tight end more than he's going to boost, let's say, Keenan Allen, who's very, very good and will still be fine. Hunter Henry has every shot at being an 800, 900 yard guy minimum with seven to eight touchdowns. And that's like projection range. Hunter Henry is one of the few guys, I would say probably the guy for me, that's outside the elite two who could finish as the tight end one. I could see him being a guy with nine, 10 touchdowns and hitting that thousand yard plus mark and scooting his way to tight end, the tight end one production. And he's not getting drafted like it because he hasn't stayed healthy. But by everything I can see, and Beth can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, they have not been necessarily the kind of injuries that we expect to be plaguing him through the entirety of his career. I see him breaking out big this year, and I think next year we'll be talking about him in the conversation with Kittle. Wow. those are That's a strong take to be in the conversation with Kittle. To speak to his injuries real quick, and then I'll kick mm-hmm. it over to John. He does have some that I think are long-term concerns but we're talking about 2020 redraft and i don't have concerns about that i mean we're talking about a previous acl injury we're talking about in the other knee um it's called a tibial plateau fracture which basically is a fracture inside the joint those are very very likely to cause arthritis later on in his career but he's young enough that i'm not worried right now i'm playing for 2020 it's not really on my radar so i agree with what you're saying there but in dynasty it is a little bit of a a yellow flag, so to speak. Maybe you kind of think about that in a couple of years. But for now, yeah, no concerns for me uh, as in regards to his health. I will want to comment eventually on the performance of Hunter Henry and the offense because I have some words for you, Mr. Oh. But I'm going to kick it over to John first. Right. John, what are your yeah, thoughts? I, I think you're a little strong there, buddy. Um, I, I think you're a little strong on your on your numbers. Um, saying that you think he could approach 1,000 and 8 to 10 touchdowns. That feels a little rich. Um, I do like Hunter Henry. What is going on right now? Is is my internet freaking out? What's yes. okay? It's not great. What is going not great, on? Bob. Not great, Bob. It's not great. Um, Bob. All right. Well, that's. We can't really hear much of what you're saying. Can you hear me? I can. Hear we can you hear now. you. It's just very laggy. That's not fun. Um, I'll tell you what, Bets. Why don't you give your take? All right. I think John's going to restart. Yeah. So what I was going to say, Okada, is just that, you know, I agree with, with the fact that I like Hunter Henry as a player. You don't put up eight touchdowns as a rookie in a fluky way. It doesn't happen. So he has talent. He's very good. But I'm going to fade the Chargers offense this year, man. I, I don't really want much of their their pass catchers at all. Um, I'm only interested in Austin Eckler, maybe Keenan Allen, depending on price. But I just think the the regression is coming. I think it's hard to trust Justin Herbert to keep that offense moving, and it's going to be very hard to keep uh, to keep the <laughs> to keep 
everything moving on the field. I mean, we just don't really know like what he's going to be. We don't know how many games he's going to play. I'm not sure if you're projecting um, Tyrod Taylor to start or if it's Justin Herbert or how many games each plays. But regardless, I'm concerned about the offense. I think they're going to take a huge step backwards, especially considering that they play at one of the slowest rates in the NFL. I don't think that's going to really change that much. I have concerns about Check. quantity. I have concerns about quality of targets. I'm going to fade the Chargers, man, this year, except for Austin Eckler. Um, that's what I'm doing. I'm not sure what your thoughts are, uh, John, on the team, but I'm, I'm worried, man. I'm worried about the Chargers. Well, considering I came back to, I don't know what your thoughts are on the team, John. Uh, I can't really comment on what Betts was just saying. However, <laughs> um, my... Listen back okay, to the podcast. I will. I'll go back and listen. Uh, my <laughs> thoughts on the team are that even though there was a quarterback there whose arm was definitely starting to age. He at least understands the system. He had a veteran presence. He understands how to get the ball to players in space. He knows how to look off defenses. Now you're talking about potentially a rookie or Tyrod Taylor. Neither one of them are, are super inspiring. I really like Justin Herbert. Rookie quarterbacks do need a little bit of an adjustment period to the NFL, though. I think we're going to see that. Um, however, I will say I'm not concerned about Hunter Henry. I, I think that his production is going to be good. Do you guys remember how like three years ago, everyone was talking about how elite the tight end position was in fantasy football because we had Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry. And then both Mm -hmm. of them have not stayed healthy for three years. It's been absolutely infuriating. Um, I'm, I hope that we get both of them back. Like, please give us both of them back healthy. Oh, and they both now have young quarterbacks, so that's interesting. Um, but I agree with what Okada was saying. I think that Hunter Henry is going to make himself a very friendly target to Justin Herbert, but I don't think he's getting 1,000 yards, man. I, I don't think that he's getting 800 yards. I, I think that he's fallen short of that. I think that he's going to be a very no. solid, very solid tight end one because it's the tight end position. It, it doesn't take a whole lot to do, but... I think if he has 650 yards and six touchdowns, you call that a fine season for him. And that's probably going to be enough to put him in the tight end one range. So I think that he's going to have a fine season. I think that he's going to make himself friendly to the quarterback. But uh, yeah, bro, I I think you're a little spicy on the thousand and eight take (laughs) and saying that he's going to rival George Kittle next offseason. Okay, so yeah. here's what I have to say. You kind of mentioned it in passing, John, but then I feel like you took it down a road that I don't agree with. Last year, this team was quarterbacked, and you can say what you want about his leadership in the locker room, but on the field, they were led by the arm, the limp noodle arm <laughs> of Philip Rivers. Affectionately. Terrible. Affectionately. He looked limp awful. <laughs> We're talking about he looked like a bottom 10, maybe worse quarterback last year from a throwing perspective. And the Chargers finished sixth in the NFL in passing yards per game. Bucks, Cowboys, Falcons, Rams, Chiefs. Those are the only teams that threw for more yards than the Chargers did. Well, a thousand of that was like, listen, a thousand of that was a two-yard pass to Eckler that he touses. So, yep. well, so slow down yep. a little, but it's not downfield. Yeah, the, <laughs> like, listen, all I'm saying is that team produced with a bad quarterback, sure. a bad throwing quarterback. Also, by the way, not a very winning quarterback. So I guess he's just kind of bad across the board. He was bad last year. Is Justin Herbert going to be? Elite? No, definitely not. Is he going to be good? I think there's a very good chance he's good from the start. He's a top-drafted prospect 
with a great arm who has a great bevy of weapons in front of him. I think he'd be very good. But even if he's bad, we're talking about a top six passing offense still. Uh, dude, I cannot be. I cannot disagree more. I am really concerned about this offense. I, this has got to go on the bets bets sheet. We have a big disagreement here. And, so and you, you think, think Justin, that Justin Herbert's, Herbert's arm is this a year? huge downgrade from Phil Rivers? I think the arm strength is very good. He has major accuracy concerns, and he's a guy who literally did not take a single snap under center at all in college. Like I don't know what this offense is going to be this year. I'm worried, man. And to say that Philip Rivers leaving is better for the offense, I kind of agree with because yes, he's he's done at this point, I think. But he locked onto the tight end, man. We saw him target Antonio Gates a ton. He's targeted Hunter Henry a ton when he's on the field. I just don't know that we can count on it. What do we what do we put on the bet on the the bets bets sheet? Because we got to put something on there. Hunter Henry tight end nine and a half, eight and a half. Uh, hey, for for a thousand and eight, that should be a smash. Except nine and a half. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. We're doing eight and a half then, since Ricardo made that outlandish claim. <laughs> I say nine. Eight and, and a half. half. It is. I gave you guys a great David Johnson line. You did. You <laughs> really did. N- Nine and a half. Yeah, Fine. You, and you half. got it there. I'm definitely going over. John, you over or under? I'm going to I'm gonna take the under on that. <laughs> that doesn't mean he's going for 1,008, right. though. Dang. But I think that he sneaks his way into the top. Wait, of I said that that was the upside. I said his projection was probably 7,807. Okay. All right. We'll see. Listeners, give us a comment, man. Let you know your thoughts because... Someone's got to talk some sense into Okada on this one. John, we're going back to you, man. Hit me with your second breakout candidate. Yeah, this, this one is, um, I'll be honest, not one that I'm entirely confident in. Um, it makes me nervous to talk about. <laughs> it makes me very nervous to talk about. But I, I root for him so hard. I, I want to see it. I loved him in college. Injuries have just completely derailed him. And I think that if he puts the injuries behind him this year... It is a massive burst onto the scene type of season for him. I'm talking about Darius Geis. Um, Darius Geis in college was an absolute stud. Uh, The nickname that he had coming out was like a a rolling ball of razor blades. I think that's what Good Morning Football called him. Uh, I think it was Kyle Brandt that said that. I I, I should tweet at him and ask him. Um, He was absolutely phenomenal, physical, agile, would stiff arm someone into the ground and then had the burst to pull away. He was such a fun prospect to watch. In 2016, he had more rushing yards than Leonard Fournette did on the same LSU team. They were together, and he ran for... Let me pull up the numbers. I have them right here. Darius Geis had 1,387 yards, averaged six, or 7.6 yards a carry. And he had, he had one 96-yard rush that season. Leonard Fournette had 843 rushing yards at 6.5 yards a carry. Still very strong, but almost a whole yard difference on the same team in the same system with the same offensive line. Darius Geis is a very talented running back. I don't think his talent is in question. I think people knock him for the injuries, which have been bad. It's been absolutely terrible to watch. Um, I've got a list here. So in 2017... In college, his senior year, uh, he injured his left knee in September. He was limited the following week before sitting out a game after that. 
in 2018, in August, in uh, before the NFL season started, this was the year that he got drafted, he tore his left ACL in the preseason opener and missed the entire 2018 season. September 8th of 2019, just about a year later, he injured his other knee in week one. That was his last season. He underwent surgery to repair a torn meniscus and missed nine games. He comes back shortly thereafter. He sprains his MCL in his left knee, which was the same knee that he tore his ACL in. um, And he was done for the season. When we did see him in the few games that he was on the field and healthy, I thought that he looked really good. I thought that he looked strong. He didn't have all of his strength and his like confidence back um, in his legs coming off the injuries yet, but he showed some flashes and I just want to see it. Um, Betts, I'd love for you to talk to his injury a little bit here um, before I kind of give my final closing statement. Yeah, I mean, Darius Geis was nowhere close to my draft board at all last year. Wasn't even looking at his name. I mean, you talk about the unlucky situation he had with the surgery uh, and recovery after the ACL, which in the first month went pretty well. So now we're looking at, you know, he, he should be back close to week one. And then we get the news that there was an infection in the knee. It delayed his rehab. And you just you can't strength train the way you want to. You can't start running when you normally would cutting, et cetera, et cetera. It just delays everything. So to say that there was ever a chance serious guys is going to be fantasy relevant last year. Um, was just wrong and hopefully our listeners caught on to that listening to our show Um, but now that we are looking at another year removed I'm going to kind of spin this in a way that's positive his injuries last year are not a huge concern now do we want a player to have a meniscus injury no do we want them to tear their MCL no but in the short term those heal well and reliably and there's some sneaky 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 benefit to that and here's why the ACL at that time was still undergoing process is called revascularization so basically when it kind of takes into the bone and becomes stronger again it takes like up to a year hold year on and a half. i need to and i need last to nerd year, up a little bit for this just okay. yeah there you go there you go perfect uh <laughs> there was no way that he was at full strength at that part of the season but now we're talking about another off season removed he is entering this season the healthiest he's been in two and a half three years so i still have concerns long term no doubt about it but from a health perspective, entering this season, I feel way better about it than I did last so, year. So that's awesome. Um, they sent off Chris Thompson, who's now in Jacksonville, who is way more injury prone than Darius Geis is. Uh, but when he is on the field, Chris Thompson ate into a little bit of the receiving work. Well, a lot of the receiving work that Darius Geis could potentially have seen competition for if they're both healthy and both on the field in this system this year. But now it's... Uh, Adrian Peterson, who I think is going to be a uh, veteran number two running back on the team, who's going to get maybe like eight carries a game, something like that, to maybe to 10, in order to spell Darius Geis a little bit and take a little bit of the wear and tear off of him. But I expect Darius Geis, if fully healthy, if coming back, and I know it's a lot of ifs, but his price is baked into it. All these ifs, all these question marks are there. I want to take the shot on this guy because of his talent. If I can get him as the fourth running back on my team, I'll take that. Absolutely. I think he has the upside to finish as easily a top 24, potentially a top 18 running back if he's fully healthy and plays 16 games. I think that he has the talent to do it. I think that he's going to get the workload to do it. I think that this offense is ascending. It's trending in the right direction. Dwayne Haskins showed a lot of flash down the back of the season last year. They have Terry McLaurin, who we all love 
more than anything <laughs> on this show. He's absolutely phenomenal. Um, your boy, boy for sure. I think that Geis should finish as an RB2 on the season if he plays all 16 games. I will say this. Uh, when you, you when you were about to lay down his upside, I had a number in mind. And then you started well below it. And then you came close to it, but still not where I would do it. I think he has top 15 upside pretty easily. Yes. I like Darius Geis a lot. I, I, I've disappeared from the stream yard. Oh, there I am. Uh, I think this is a great pick as a breakout yeah. because here's the thing. If you had to draft him in the first six rounds, which is where he would be going if he had been fully healthy probably, right. then this is a very risky pick, and he still maybe breaks out. Getting him in the seventh, eighth round, which is where he's going, around all the rookies and Marlon Mack, Ronald Jones, and Carrion Johnson. Yeah. Are, you, are you kidding me? He is the most talented player of all those non-rookies, and he's definitely going to have a better chance to be uh, the RB1 for his team out of the gate than pretty much all of those rookies, except maybe Cam Akers, who I like a lot, to be fair. Uh, but he is an extremely talented player, and he is going to, if healthy, get a lot of carries, mm. a lot of touches. So I think this is a great call. I think this is a pick that I'm going to snag almost in every draft. I did another mock boys uh, with my sister actually and brother-in-law the other night. And that ended up going very similarly to, to our mock that we did where we started with crazy receivers. I started with Julio, Mike Evans, I believe, and uh, Keenan Allen. And then I had to go running back crazy in the middle rounds. And this is a guy I'm grabbing. If, if you're going to go running back crazy in the middle rounds, if you start with good receivers, this is a guy I want to pick up because like, you know, Jonathan Taylor is also going in this range. I think Marlon Mack, or Marlon Mack, I think Darius Geis has just as much upside as Jonathan Taylor this season. And I know that John might get upset at that. I'm curious what Betts might think about that, but I really like it. Good call. Man, I thought this was going to be like, we were all going to hold hands and just be like, man, our podcast is awesome. Uh, fantasy football is great. We're going to agree on all <laughs> these breakouts. Guys, I don't, I don't know. I, the, the price is is great. I'm willing to draft him at his price, but to say that he has top 15 upside, I just don't know. I mean, look at how many running backs they brought in. Now, are they good running backs? No, but Doo-doo. there is a chance that they say, I don't know if Darius guys can stay healthy. I'm not going to give him the workload. He needs to be a top 15, a top 18 back. That's my only concern. The health we talked about, the talent I totally believe into when he was a rookie, I was all over yeah. it in rookie drafts. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I, I just don't know. We haven't seen it and it's, it's scary to kind of rely on the Redskins offense. And I'm going to talk about a Redskins player here in a second, but I'm scared of the, the rushing attack because of Adrian Peterson still being there. I don't think the offense is going to score a ton of touchdowns. I don't think they'll be able to control the ball a ton. I just don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm willing to take a shot. I could see it maybe happening, but I don't think he has top 15 or even top 18 upside uh, personally. I, I will th- throw out in closing these numbers for Leonard Fournette last year on a terrible team with a terrible offense and a young quarterback that was not good. 265 carries for 1,100 yards, only three rushing touchdowns. Came in with 76 catches for 522 yards, which was nice. No touchdowns through the air. He finishes the RB9. 
I could see that kind of production from Darius. 100 targets. Yeah, that's it's a, it was a lot of receiving production, but he scored no touchdowns. Yeah. Like, right. guys can easily double or triple that number in touchdowns and make up for not as much receiving production, or he could just get a ton of receiving production because he's capable, and they don't have anyone else besides Terry McLaurin. Right. So I could 100% oh. see Larry Leonard Fournette-type <laughs> numbers. Uh, man, it's super interesting. I, I, like, like John said, I root for the kid. Like, he's a fun story, good follow on social media. Just sucks, like, yeah. the injuries he's yep. had. It's been so unlucky. So I hope he can get back there. I hope I'm wrong. Yep. I hope he does break out because it would be fun to watch. Uh, but one player on that team, Okada, just mentioned that everyone knows at this point, mm. I am so in on Terry McLaurin, it is not even funny. Do I need to even make the argument, or are we just not really wrap up the show here? <laughs> I think we're probably we're good. <laughs> we're gonna. This is. I mean, you like talked three about minutes the, between all three of us, and we're done. Yep. Yeah, yep. we'll just end it here. I mean, the talent that he showed last year with Case freaking Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, who last year at the end of the season, yeah, he showed a little bit of promise, but it, he just didn't do it in year one. I'm not ready to give up on Dwayne Haskins just yet. And thinking about a market share perspective of targets, last year. Terry McLaurin came in, what was it here? Uh, 24% last year. We talked about it on our last show, Okada, with projecting targets for DeAndre Hopkins. We want to see him at least in like 23, 24-ish range. He's going to smash that number this year. Who else is catching the football? Kelvin Harmon, maybe? Steven Sims Jr.? I don't know. Who even is the tight end? We don't know. I mean, Terry McLaurin is going to legitimately push for a 30% market share this year. And even if those targets aren't fantastic, he's going to smash a thousand yards. He's going to put up more than seven touchdowns last year. Good things are coming. And the thing I love most about this system is we saw Washington run the fewest plays in the entire league last year. There was a man named Bill Callahan who literally came out to the media and said, if you run the ball more than your opponent, you will win the game. The Redskins did not win many games last year. <laughs> and they tried to run the ball a ton. We have a new system in Scott Turner. He is young. He is 37 years old. Up and coming coordinator. We saw Carolina run the sixth most plays last year. More volume is coming for Terry McLaurin. The dude has wide receiver one upside. Yes, even with Dwayne Haskins. I'm not going to project him that way. I'm not going to rank him that way. But he has the upside. I am in love with Terry McLaurin. And you all know that by now. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the F1 McLaurin? John, I think you should go first because you sound like you threw a little bit of water on the wide receiver one argument. Yeah, just, I mean, just a touch. There are so many wide receivers in the NFL right now <laughs> that are really, really, really good. Yeah, that are true. in really, really good <laughs> offenses, and he is not. Um, I don't think that he has wide receiver one upside. I love Terry McLaurin. I think he's fantastic. I think that he'll be an absolutely great wide receiver two on your team. Um, I don't think that he has wide receiver one upside. I mean, I can probably list a solid 18 wide receivers that I think have a better chance at finishing in the top 12 than McLaurin, but we all love him. We all have him ranked as pretty much, I think, a mid wide receiver two um, across the board. So I think he's fantastic. He's going to be fun to watch. The target share is not in question at all. Like you were saying, he's going to push for 30%. He's going to push for like, you know, college numbers in terms of market share. Um, it's going to be crazy. We all like him. We hope that Dwayne Haskins takes a step forward. Um, but I mean, what we're talking about with Terry McLaurin, Dwayne Haskins and Darius Geis is, is basically the best case scenario for this offense. There's also a very, very real possibility that this offense is really bad again, and that could happen. So you kind of have to look at it both ways. I think that ranking him as a mid to late wide receiver two is probably fair. 
um, who might crack the top 16 uh, at the best case scenario. So here's here's what I'm going to say. In order to be a wide receiver one in this NFL, you need roughly 80 to 85 catches, over 1,100 yards, seven, eight touchdowns. Somewhere in that range, and you will probably just barely crack the wide receiver one territory. Allen Robinson did it last year with 1,147 yards and seven touchdowns. Mike Evans did it with 1,157 and eight. Terry McLaurin 100% has those numbers within his range of outcomes. Last year, he had 919 yards in only 14 games and scored seven touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Not only do I think that's within his range of outcomes, I think those kinds of numbers are like... 48% likely. Like, I'm not going to say likely. It's not necessarily more likely than not. But it is right there. The flip a coin, whether he gets that or just a little bit less than that. So I think he's a top 15. mm, I think he's a likely, he's a possible, probable top 15. I'll say probable top 15. Got to choose your words carefully before these guys put bets (laughs) out on me. Um, Probable top 15 with very possible... Top 12 upside if things go well. In this offense, I wouldn't be surprised if he had 85, 90 catches. Easily can translate that into 11, 50, and 8. And that's all you need. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not going to project it. I'm not going to rank him there. But when you look at a player's range of outcomes, you have to do that in drafts. You can't just look at like what he probably will be. You have to say, I'm getting this guy in the fourth, fifth round, and he could be better than the two wide receivers mm-hmm. I already took. So... I like that upside as your wide receiver three in drafts or your wide receiver two, like John said. And you could potentially get a wide receiver one out of it. Final point with the man, Terry McLaurin. Wide receiver 10 last year through the first six weeks of the season with Case Keenum. I I don't know, man. I I believe it. The dude's a baller. I believe in his talent. I believe that he can overcome a bad quarterback situation. But maybe it's fool's gold that we're believing in the Redskins too much on this show. We will find out. Fellas, fantastic show. We're going to close it out there. Uh, talking about our 2020 breakout candidates. Listeners, let us know what you think. Drop a rating and review in that podcast app. Check out patreon.com slash pod. We are talking a lot about betting on this show. Now, we're not talking about real betting. This is just for fun. Just bets betting. Uh, we'll bets have some betting. sort of wager. The bets bets. However, I did write a real article about sports wagering for win totals that I like this year that I personally have put my money on. Uh, that is for our Patreon supporters only. So if you're a sports better, you play some DFS, check out patreon.com slash Richards pod. Check out the ballers ultimate draft kit. We are back later this week talking about our 2020 bust candidates. We will see you guys then until next time. You're the Richards. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the red shirts, fantasy football podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at red shirts, FF pod, and check out our website, red shirts, fantasy football.com.